Welcome to the world with Cynthia Joseph. Today's teaching is titled, Cut Them Off. <laughs> yes, someone may be wondering, what are we cutting off today, Cynthia? Well, if you stick around, you will find out. And like we always do, we'll be looking at some verses of the Bible today. And we're starting with Mark chapter 9, verse 42 to 47. So I encourage you to open your Bibles if you have them with you. And let's study together. I will read. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it will be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large milestone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fire of hell with two hands. 45. If your food causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. 47. And if your eyes causes you to sin, gorge it out. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Someone would say, wow, this is really extreme. I agree with you, it is. But it is how important, you know, what this passage of the Bible is telling us. Is the Bible telling us or is Jesus telling us to literally cut off our eyes, our hands and our feet? Well, I don't think so. This part of the Bible is stressing the importance of cutting off sin away from our lives. You know, cutting off all those weaknesses that we know that, you know, separates us from God. It's explaining how important it is for us to cut them off. Um, as true followers of Jesus, we must understand that um, self-discipline is required of us. And sometimes these disciplines can be very painful. Okay, giving up a relationship, a job or a habit that is against God's will may seem just as painful as cutting off a hand or a feet or gorging out an eye. But Jesus is worth any possible loss or discomfort that we might feel or that we might encounter. And the better part of it is, it is for our own good that these things be cut off from our lives so that we do not enter into the unquenchable fires of hell where the maggot never die <laughs> and the fire never goes out. So um, nothing should stand in the way of our faith when it comes to our dealings, you know, with God. We know that there are some things in our lives that just tries to hold us back and pull us back when we're trying to live the best life, you know, for God. And we'll be discussing some of those things today. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about some points um, along this uh, study. When we don't cut off sin, what happens? Well, when we don't cut off sin, one sin will lead to another. And we can see that in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to 27. It's a long story, but it's a story about David. And this story captures exactly what happens when we do not cut off that sin or that temptation that easily comes to us and attracts us and tries to take us away from the presence of God. So I'll just give a brief summary of this story about David. Now, David, during the time, well, springtime, when people would go to war, other kings would go to war, David stayed back. And in the cool of the day, in the evening, he went to the rooftop of his house. And then he caught, something caught his attention. It was a woman who was having a bath. Of course, she was naked because she was having a bath. And David 
gave into this um, scene and he started looking and lusting after this woman and after you know some time maybe some minutes or after she was done bathing he then sent for you know some a messenger to go and call this woman and when she came to his palace her name is Bathsheba when Bathsheba came uh, David slept with her now David slept with her he didn't just stop there when he slept with her he sent her away she went home after some weeks or months or whatever she came back she sent some message to David to tell David that look I'm pregnant and David thought to himself, well, well, I'm not going to take responsibility for that, even though he was responsible for the pregnancy. And we know this because if you read through, you would see that Uriah is the husband of Bathsheba. And Uriah was in the battlefield fighting, you know, against the Ammonites. The same battle that David was supposed to be on, but he decided to stay back. He decided to stay at home. And so um, David sent for Uriah and asked him oh how is the battle going and where so well everything is going well and everything and so david fed him and told him to go home to his wife but raya did something raya stayed back he didn't go home he stayed with the guards at the gates of the palace and he slept there and so when david found that the next day that raya didn't go to his wife he asked him why didn't you go home to be with your wife and be married and Uriah said something, I cannot be happy or be merry and go to my wife and have a nice time when the tabernacle of the Lord is out there and the people of God are fighting, you know, are fighting a war. I cannot, you know, do that. And so David said, okay, okay, that makes sense. So David decided in his mind, well, if you're not going to go with your sane mind, I might as well get you drunk and maybe you go. <laughs> And so David got him drunk, got Uriah drunk that night. And he thought, well, if he's drunk enough, he will be sober enough to go home to be with his wife, for his wife to cuddle him. And probably, maybe he might just sleep with his wife. And then he would say, he's the father of the pregnancy or the baby that the wife is carrying. And so, of course, Uriah didn't go home, even though he was drunk. He still stayed back at the king's palace at the gate with the guards. And so when David found out that, that ah, this guy is not going, I've tried everything, he's not going to meet his wife. Well, the only thing left to do is for me to kill him. You see, so David sent Uriah, sent for Uriah and then gave him a letter. In that letter was contained his death warrant. David told Uriah, give this letter to Joab. Now Joab is the army, the head of the army was, you know, in the battlefield with the other army uh, that were fighting. And that letter was contained Uriah's uh, death warrant. So it read, put Uriah in the forefront of the battlefield where it is most hottest so that he may get killed. Just imagine that. That is wicked. You have slept with this man's wife. You have defiled her. Okay. You've gotten her pregnant and here you are trying to kill the husband, to kill this man. You've even tried to pin the pregnancy on this man, but you didn't have your way with that. And now you're going for that to kill him. And of course, Uriah died. Joab did what uh, David asked and Uriah died. 
Now, this is one sin that led to another sin that led to another sin that led to another sin. One sin of adultery. Okay, one sin of adultery led to David killing Uriah. And of course, it wasn't just Uriah who died. Because if you read through, you would see that the place of the battle where it was hottest was where Joab placed Uriah. And alongside some other men of Israel died with Uriah. So David didn't just kill one person. He killed a lot of people as a result of his sin. You can imagine this is what happens when, you know, we do not cut off that sin or that weakness that easily draws us away from God. Which brings me to my next point. When we don't cut off, you know, that weakness or that sin, it draws us away from God and it displeases God. Um, I'll give an example here of myself. Way back many, many years ago when I was in school, I was in university, I was in this relationship that wasn't pleasing to God at all, okay? This person was a really nice guy, caring, loving and everything. He even cared for me more than he would care for himself. He cared for me so much. He would take care of my needs. I didn't, I didn't even need to ask for anything. Like He would just observe me and see what I need and he would just provide it. He was super caring super nice beyond a fault i would say and i thought oh wow this is the perfect relationship for me i might as well just stay here and you know when people would see us they'll say oh cute couple you guys should get married blah 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 and all that so it was the relationship <laughs> that uh, most people would call perfect but it was not really perfect i would say because this relationship was taking me away from god mind you i was in my church choir I was in the youth choir because it was a youth fellowship I was attending at the time. And I was in choir and everything. But I still had this longing to draw close to God, to know him more and all of that. But this relationship was stopping me from doing that. Why? Because he was wanting me to do things in this relationship that I was not caught up to do. I was not ready for. You know, he wanted me to, you know, have sex with him and all of that. He wasn't imposing it. He wasn't forcing it. Matter of fact, we had gone maybe a year or so without even giving in to all of those things. But he, it, it was just something that he wanted so much. And I knew that if I stayed long in this relationship, I would give in to him one day. And so I eventually did. And it was not pretty. It was not pretty because the minute I do it, I feel so... Um, you like drawn away from god i feel so bad i feel so depressed and i didn't just like it i didn't just like i knew that the holy spirit was convicting my heart and it was telling me this is not the right thing this is not what i want you to do but i didn't just know how to get myself out of that situation you know i just stayed in that relationship and each time i give in to him you know giving to his desire and what he wanted I'm not able to pray. I'm not able to study. So probably maybe I had set time to say, okay, this is when I'll wake up and pray and study my Bibles. I'm not able to do that because I feel so unworthy. I feel so guilty to come into the presence of God and, and, and fellowship with him because of what I have done. Now, it's not changing who God is. It's not changing the fact that God wants a relationship with me still in spite of my sin. But it was drawing me away from God because of that sin so that is what the devil does okay he does these things to us so that we feel less 
um, worthy to be in the presence of God. And if he has succeeded in taking you away from the presence of God, then he has his way, you know, to do even worse to you. And so this relationship was everything wrong, even though it was everything right. And for someone out there, it might be the case with you. You know, you're thinking, well, I cannot just leave this relationship because of just sex. Well, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells in. And I, if you are not married and you are giving into that sin, then it's something you should look into. It's something you should cut off. That relationship is something you should cut off. If it's a job, you know, some of us are in a job that are not pleasing to God at all. If it is a job, then you have to cut that job off. If it is an habit, for some of us, we battle with masturbation, pornography, lying, gossiping, whatever it is, it could be, you know, that you're battling with. You have to literally, you have to deliberately cut them off. Okay, you have to. So um, someone will say, well, how do you cut off these things? You know, how do you cut off all of this? It's difficult to do. Well, there are some steps that you can take that will help you to acquire victory in these areas. And um, the first point here, we're going to be talking about four points. And the first point here is stay away from anything or anyone that feeds that this weakness that you have. So we would look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Living Bible. It says, run away from anything that gives you the evil thoughts, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. For some of us, it's the opposite. We stay close to the things that want us to, you know, do wrong. And we run away from the things that want us to do right. But this is not what the Bible says. This is not what God wants from us. It says to run away from anything that gives you evil thoughts. And stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. So in my situation of the story that I just gave about the relationship I was in, it was for me to run away from it, for me to cut off from that relationship completely. Okay, that was that was it. Okay, I remember um, after after university, you know, I continued the relationship until I finished uni, and the Holy Spirit kept on beating me about it, telling me that this was not the right relationship for me. This is not what He wanted for me, and I just stayed, you know, because. Each time people see us together on campus in school, they're like, oh, you guys are so cute together. And really, he was a nice person. You know, we have great laughter together. We make jokes together. We do things together. We cook together. We did everything. To we, we were living as if we were married. And that was so wrong. That was so, so, so wrong. And that was not what God wanted for me at all. And so after university, we lived in different states. So I was in my state. He was in his state. And um, those times where I was back home, you know, it was time that I wanted to draw closer to God. So I started listening to a lot of messages, started reading books. And I just thought to myself, well, I cannot continue with this relationship anymore. So I told him that I was going to break up. And so we broke up. And it felt like I was going to die. <laughs> It was so bad. I, I, I felt so, so, so bad. Like it felt like someone ripped out something out of me. Like I felt so empty. I felt so lonely, you know, and I just wanted him back, you know, but the communication between me and him was open. So we're still talking. 
So he still had the opportunity to beg, to say, oh, what did I do wrong? And everything. I'm like, it's not you. You didn't do anything wrong, you know? And um, so because the communication was still open and we we're still talking. So one day he said, well, I'm going to come to your state to come and see you because he had graduated. I had graduated. So and then I was like, OK, fine, come and see me. And so he came um, to my state to, to visit me. And so we're to meet somewhere. And so as I was as I was going to meet him, he came down from where he was to, you know, work with me and so when i saw him from a distance he was looking so handsome so cute mind you he's very very cute he's very very <laughs> he's very very handsome he was so cute so beautiful and i just told myself i am going to do this tonight you can imagine it was it it, it was a thought right it was a thought that came to my mind but i allowed that thought to overwhelm me to dwell on my mind and i concluded even without him even saying anything that I was going to give in to you know the desires that was lurking in my heart and of course something that he has always wanted and so we hugged and then we went you know to where we were going to see and everything of course I gave in to that weakness and he had his way we had our way I would say but I felt so worthless. I felt so useless. I felt so ashamed of myself. You know, he went back to his state. I went back to my house. And we continued the relationship for a while. But still, you see, God is so patient with us. He's so caring. He's so loving, you know. Still, um, we, we, we're still talking. We're still communicating and all of that nothing was wrong but everything was wrong you know and so um when i eventually realized that okay i can no longer do this i then told him this is it i i can't do this relationship anymore i have to break it off and so i completely cut him off so this is where the victory came when i physically like cut off from that relationship no communication whatsoever told him not to call me i didn't call him you know and that period was the time for my youth service so youth service from where i'm from it's a time after like a year period that you give to serving the government you know after you've graduated so every graduate of my country has to go through that and you're giving a certificate at the end of the day so I was, I, I was in service, so it was a good time for me to just not communicate with him and everything. So I completely cut him off, okay? So you have to stay away from anything or anyone that feeds that weakness. So I knew that he was a weakness for me, and if I stayed in that relationship, of course, I cannot tell him, let's not fornicate, let's not do the things that God don't like. Of course, he loves God. He goes to church. All right. He prays. We pray together. Matter of fact. So some of us, that might be our excuse. Well, he's a Christian or she's a Christian. We pray together. We go to church together. But yet you're living in sin together. That's what God doesn't want for you. You have to stay away from anyone or anything that feeds your, your, your weakness. So for some persons, it might be social media. There are many times, there are some times that I have to, you know, do like a social media fast. I would call it. I would say for so, X number of days, I will not go to social media because these things, you can't really control them. 
like the things that come up or pop up on your feed you can't control them you don't have control over them and they just keep feeding your mind with all of these you know negative things that you are trying to run away from sometimes you don't even know what will pop up on your feed sometimes it might even be it might be that weakness of yours that you're trying to run away from and social media is bringing it directly in your face and so when you eventually leave social media you are in your bed you want to sleep it, those pictures that you've seen it has already registered in your subconscious and so it will eventually start to play in your mind and the more you dwell on those thoughts the more you um, do that act that this uh, social media is feeding or this weakness of yours so remember to stay away from anything or anyone that feeds this weakness and of course you have the verse to go with that second timothy chapter 2 verse 22 run away <laughs> run away from anything that gives you evil thought run away from it if it's social media run away from it i'm not saying to completely delete your social media but you can control it you can say okay i'm not going to spend uh, more than 20 minutes or 10 minutes on social media today or i'm not going to spend so much time matter of fact our phones have this way of telling us how much time we have spent on on an app go and check the number of times that you have spent on some apps and see how much of your time you are wasting away that you could have you know put in invest in something else and yield better results so run away from anything that will feed that weakness of yours number two ask god for help pray about that weakness all the time not only when you are in the middle of it when you are tempted that's when you start praying even when you are not tempted when you don't feel like it pray to god about it First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says um, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So you are thinking that's something that the devil wants us to always think. He wants us to live in isolation and think, well, this thing you are dealing with, you are the only one that is dealing with it. So don't tell anybody, don't try to just feed it and nobody will know. Well, that's not true. You are not the only one. Whatever you think you are facing right now, whatever temptation or sin that you're facing right now, that you think well it's just unique to me that is a lie it's not true and uh, first corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says god is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can enjoy it so he will show you a way out for the case of david the way out for him was for him to leave you know that scene to leave the rooftop and gets busy remember he was supposed to be in war but he wasn't so is it possible that is the times where we are less busy or the times where we are supposed to be doing something else that we that these thoughts that we become idle and these thoughts comes into our mind and we start to feed it so what practical step can you take or can we take to help us to um, deal with that get busy okay for, for David, it was for him to leave that scene. It was for him to leave that rooftop and do something else. Or maybe go to the battle. Imagine if he was in the battlefield, I'm sure he wouldn't be thinking of having sexual affairs with someone else's wife. You know, he would be busy doing something, actively doing something, you know, positive. God will always show you a way out. God is too faithful to leave us to ourselves or by ourselves for these temptations to overpower us and he rightly said in his word that he will not give you more than you can chew so it is 
whatever you're facing, you already have the capacity and the ability to overcome it, to deal with it. Okay. Which brings me to the third point. Refocus your thoughts. Temptation starts in the mind. You have to understand that. It starts in your mind. So the devil will not literally force you to do something. He will not take your hand to say, go and do this thing. It comes with a thought. He suggests it in your mind. Like we even see in the Garden of Eden. It was, it was just talking to Eve. And he just suggested something to her. You will not really die if you really eat the fruit. You know, you will not die. He didn't, he didn't tell her, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. No, you see, he just gave her a thought, something for her to think on. And she thought of it. Well, I may not really die. You see, refocus your thoughts. Temptation starts in the mind. The minute you dwell or you start to dwell on negative thoughts, you empower it. You give it more power. So refocus it. When you start to think of, okay, um, the thoughts of masturbation or fornication or lying or gossiping or stealing starts coming to your mind, switch it. It's a channel. That channel, just switch the channel to another channel. Think of something positive. Think of something good, something loving, something peaceful, you know. Think on something much more productive that will... Uh, counter that negative thoughts that you are thinking. All right. I like the way Rick Warren says it. It says, you cannot keep the devil from suggesting thoughts to you, but you can choose to dwell or act on them. You can't stop the devil from suggesting something to you, but you can choose to act on them or you can choose to dwell on them. So I, I, I would rather that you don't dwell on them, that you don't think on them, because the minute you think on them, the second you begin to think on them, you start to empower that thoughts. Remember, the, the battle of sin is first won in your mind. It's, it is first won in your mind. So if you are able to gain the victory in your mind by refocusing your thoughts on something else, then you are able to um, um, win the victory physically. Okay? And some of the things that you can replace that thoughts with is the word of God, which brings me to my last point. Memorize and meditate on portions of the Bible that combat your specific weakness. Okay, so you have to meditate on scriptures. The Bible rightly tells us to meditate on scriptures day and night. But this time, be, be deliberate enough to search out scriptures of the Bible that deals with your specific weakness. Okay, start to memorize these scriptures. Start to deal with them in, you know, by memorizing scriptures and meditating on, on them. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. NLT says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is quick. The word of God is powerful. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Okay, that is what the word of God will do for you. The minute you start to Med consciously meditate on the word of God. So when we said refocus your thought, when that, that weakness comes into your mind or that thought comes into your mind, quickly switch it into the Bible verse that deals with that specific weakness and you will gain victory over it. Praise God. Okay, so the word of God has living, life-changing and tremendous power that works in us. Okay, that is the powerful word of God. It is quick, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. So it can tear down, it can break down. It, I mean, the word of God is just 
powerful. God's word penetrates to the core of our moral and spiritual life. So it will deal with that spiritual, moral thing that you think you are dealing with. The word of God will help you. It will shape you. It will build you into what he wants you to be. It descends both the good and the evil within us. All right. God's powerful word will change us forever. That is the word of God that you have. And you have access to it every day, every minute of the day. We have it in our phones. Um, you can buy your Bible from any bookstore around you. Go to your app store. Download the version Bible. You have a uh, version Bible app. It's an app for all phones. You can use it on your laptop, on your mobile phones. You can have the word of God with you every now and then. Okay, one thing that I'm practicing right now is I am um, deliberately meditating and memorizing scriptures and I am doing one scripture a week. So I pick a scripture of the Bible, I start to meditate and memorize it. I memorize it every day, seven days a week and then I start another scripture. I look for another scripture and then I start memorizing and meditating on it. How do you meditate? Someone would say, well, if you can worry, you can meditate. Just do the opposite. Instead of thinking of those thoughts in your mind that are dwelling on them, actively dwelling on those thoughts that you know are not beneficial to you, switch it to the word of God. Start thinking of the word of God. It could be this verse that we just read, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. So when you memorize it, when you, are, when you want to meditate on it, you'll be thinking on that word. The word of God is the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. You keep doing this repeatedly, repeatedly. You are meditating on it. And as you meditate on it, the Holy Spirit gives it meaning in your mind. It begins to expand it in your mind. That's why sometimes you see people who memorize or meditate on scriptures, they just, mm, or they just shout or something. Because the word of God is expanding it in your mind. So you say the word of God is alive, it's powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than an edged sword. As you are saying it repeatedly over and over again, it begins to gain, you know, more meaning in your mind. All right. <laughs> that is all we have for today's teaching. All right. Thank you so much for listening and see you guys on my next one. Bye.